Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, and Orvis Fly Fishing. Over the past few years, I've been able to sit down with people from all different walks of life. Some are legends in their area, who have a long-standing reputation, and others are younger and quickly making a name for themselves. Some are guides or anglers, and others are artists and photographers. And one of the things that I've learned over the past few years is that sometimes you don't interview a guest because of how long they've been doing something, but rather because of how well they do it. Today's guest, Mac Elliott, is an up-and-coming name in fishing photography, who's incredibly talented for where she's at in her career. In this podcast, Mac and I sit down and discuss how her childhood dream of becoming a travel photographer has become a reality and what she's learned and experienced so far in her career in outdoor media. Mac also shares about her decision to drop out of college to pursue her dream of photography and the importance of taking opportunities when you're getting started and how her faith is shaping her work. We hope that you enjoy our time together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And then it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might, definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's an old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? So look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right. Well, hey, Mac, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been good to hang out in Tampa Bay. We just got done with the fly fishing film tour and uh, getting a chance to sit down at Court's beautiful guide house here in Dunedin. And I'm really excited to have you on because, one, I think you take some amazing photos. And I think they're really great photos. And over the past couple of years, I've really enjoyed getting the perspective of people who, whether they're artists or they're videographers or they're photographers, on life and outdoors and I'm just excited to kind of get to know you a little bit more so thanks for making some time well thank you for having me yeah so tell us for you kind of how did you first fall in love with the outdoors and where did this all begin for you sure well I think just like it is with a lot of people my parents brought me up in the outdoors and you know I've had like a funny relationship with fishing in the past when my brother was first learning to fly fish in middle school I started you know phasing out of the fishing scene and it wasn't until I started getting older that I really started to appreciate what it means to go fishing but I grew up going fishing every weekend when I was a kid and it wasn't anything fancy but my dad in college would go fly fishing with all of his buddies and so I kind of saw that when I was growing up Mm -hmm. and it just evolved into somehow me landing in a a career of fly fishing media 
which has been the biggest shock of my life, I think. So when you're phasing out in middle school, brothers getting into it, what were you phasing into? Yeah. So I was pursuing travel photography and... In middle middle Not in middle school, but like that was the goal when I was in high school. I just wanted to, to get out and travel the world and go to really far off distant places. And I managed to do that when I got into college. I went to college for three semesters, dropped out, got an opportunity to travel the world and do commercial media production for a gap year company, Mm -hmm. which was totally sink or swim for me. That was the thing that I either decided by the end of this year, I'm either going to hate photography and video or I'm, (laughs) it's the only thing that I'm going to want to do for the rest of my life. And it really shocked me that I could do it for a whole year and not get tired of it. Mm-hmm. So by the time I went back to college to finish my degree, I knew that I wanted to go into media. And at the time I was thinking, it'll probably be in the travel industry. I probably won't ever live in Texas. And then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and it kind of threw that whole plan off course. Yeah, I think a lot of people have these things that they want to do or want to give a shot and they're afraid of, okay, like, what if I take something I love and I do it for a job and I hate it? Like, tell me just a little bit more for you. What was your decision making like? And what did the opportunity look like for you just to make that leap, drop out of college and go give it a shot? Yeah, I was met with a lot of weird vibes from the college that I was going to. They told me that I would be ruining my life if I dropped out and took this traveling opportunity. But I think it was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. Mm -hmm. And my parents were super supportive in it. Um, But it's that idea of like, if not now, then when do I get this opportunity? Mm -hmm. And it has been pleasantly surprising now that I'm working full time and in my career that I've found that for myself while getting paid, while actually pursuing a career in something that I love. I kind of thought at the time, you're supposed to do these big adventures in college because you Mm -hmm. won't get a chance later on. So I took the year and I traveled and really fell in love with telling stories. So by the time I went back to school, I I majored in media production, Mm -hmm. which no one's ever asked to see that (laughs) degree (laughs) at all. I'm not even sure where it is right now. Yeah. But... I, it gave me the opportunity to decide that I'm going all in. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated college, December, 2020, I set a timeframe. I said, I have two years to make it as a professional photographer or videographer. And it almost took the pressure off a little bit. Like if it doesn't work out, then I'll go get the corporate job. I'll go work in an office and take that more traditional mm-hmm. route but I'm really glad that it it worked out <laughs> so you were talking about like okay when, if I go work for this gap year program I'm going to give it a year yeah. see if I like it and then you just said like I'm gonna if I can't do it in two years then I'm gonna yeah you know, do something else yeah for you like was that something that you kind of created your own m- metrics or game plan on how long you're going to give it a shot or did you yeah. get some good advice along the way? Yeah. Well, in between the year of traveling, I had a lot of missteps. I moved to Nashville for a few months and went to film school, discovered that I absolutely hated Hollywood. 
couldn't do it. I was, <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I fit in in media because I was really sporty and outdoorsy and I loved nature. And that's all I, all I wanted to do was travel and be in nature. And mm. I loved anything landscape or wildlife. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see that when I was studying film. And it almost seemed really commercial and it didn't really have any heart mm-hmm. to it. So by the time I left Nashville, I, I moved back to Texas to finish up my degree. I was really lost at where I was supposed to take this photography and video dream. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to do. And so f- like flash forward a few months and you are hit by the pandemic. So it, it kind of took the travel thing off the table. I was stuck in Texas and I hadn't been living in Texas in a while. Mm-hmm. But I think that was one of the biggest blessings. And mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic was, it's a mystery. A lot of people struggled and I've, I lost people as well, but it was one of the biggest blessings mm-hmm. I think in my life because mm-hmm. it really set me on a path that I wasn't expecting. And you said your parents were supportive, like for you in that season where you're trying to, because I I know a lot of people are in a season where they want to give something like that a shot. What did their support look like? And maybe what was some good advice given to you along the way? Yeah. Oh, they're going to love this. They're wonderful people. They always encouraged me to just go out and chase the crazy dream. And I don't think a lot of people can say that about, their parents Mm. but to this day they're still supporting me with everything that they have they go to all of my art shows and help me with my art sales and pursuing like all of these crazy opportunities Mm -hmm. my mom helps me book all my plane tickets now Mm -hmm. um but even back then like they they really enforced if you're not happy there if you're not happy in your situation just go change it and do the thing that's going to bring you joy. Mm. So whether that's traveling to the other side of the world or coming back home because Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to do something and decided, you know, I don't think that's for me. They never met me with any kind of impatience, Mm -hmm. I guess. And... For you, I know you had mentioned that you got a camera at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. So my mom got a camera for her birthday when I was 12. And I think she had the camera for about a day before I kind of picked it up and started playing with it. And mm-hmm. I was instantly obsessed. I still have some of the first photos that I took and they're, mm-hmm. they're really awful, you know. But I loved it just for the purpose of slowing down and looking Mm -hmm. at what's around you. And, you know, you're taking pictures of flowers and leaves and Mm -hmm. all those things. Like nothing significant at all, but I think finding the joy in those little everyday moments just sealed the deal for me. And so for you, you know, you, you, you get your mom's camera, you're in middle school, you're taking all these photos. When did it really start to kind of intensify and you're like, okay, I think I want to kind of try to chase this down type thing. Mm -hmm. I think it must've been 
probably my senior year of high school. I always did photography as a hobby. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, you're a senior in high school, you're thinking, my whole life's ahead of me, but the decision that I'm making on my next, what to do with my next four years, like, Mm -hmm. this is going to define my life. Mm. I think way too many young people go into college with that idea that, you know, whether you go to college or decide to do something else, like, you, that's the path you're on, you can't change it. And I just thank God that there is opportunity to change your mind and change it again mm-hmm. because in high school I don't think I knew that my future would be fly fishing photography mm-hmm. I had zero idea mm-hmm. if you would have told me that I would have been like not me that's not possible mm-hmm. so where did the you said you kind of drifted away from when your brother was getting into it and you'd obviously grown up around a lot of fishing but when did fishing and photography meet for you yeah So I went on my, I would call it my first freshwater fly fishing trip. Mm -hmm. I believe it was July of 2020. Mm -hmm. And we went to Montana, spent a few days on the river. And I went into it thinking fly fishing is really, really difficult. There's no way. Was that with your dad or? Yeah, it was with my whole family. Okay. It was, it was a way to escape the pandemic by going camping in the wilderness Mm. so i caught my first fish on fly fully not expecting to Mm -hmm. be able to do that because i grew up watching saltwater fly fishing and it just seemed like something that was totally out of my wheelhouse Mm -hmm. but even with catching the fish Mm -hmm. i would start taking pictures in between and the times that I was just kind of floating along and the adrenaline that I got from just watching people fish was Mm -hmm. so crazy and I think one moment that really changed everything we went up to a alpine lake and the water is super smooth and crystal clear and these tiny tiny cutthroat trout are just jumping around and all the guys are starting to catch them and reel them in. And I started taking like really quick photos, action shots of the cutthroat as they were coming in. And I was able to nail quite a few images. And Mm. later on, I I think I ended up selling those images to some magazines and some companies. And that was the first experience that I had taking fish action photos is what I like to call them. But when I took them, I was just thinking, these are really cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I could do this. And I didn't know, I don't know if anybody wants to see these, but this is kind of unique. And it wasn't until I sold one of the photos to Strung Magazine just a few months later that it, I kind of was caught off guard. Like there's a market for this. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that the fly fishing industry was even this big. Yeah. Yeah, well, to you, like, tell me what was so meaningful to you about having your first image sold? I mean, I had never thought about my work even being published, Mm -hmm. let alone by, like, a publication that still prints on paper. Yeah. Like, how amazing. And it took me, I shot those first photos in July. Mm Mm-hmm waited until December to take 
my second batch of fish photos because I think that was the next time I really got out on a skiff and mm. got to see fish. And we went to my family's cabin in the land cut and I took a ton of photos of redfish. They were tailing, they were fighting the fly and just flipping up and doing crazy acrobatics. And I just would, you know, spray a ton of photos, hope the focus stuck. I would hop out of the skiff and just walk out towards the fish as they were coming in just to try to get a little bit closer. And one of those photos was picked up on social media, and then it just kind of went crazy mm. from there. And I was in Florida, and my stuff was getting reposted by huge fly fishing accounts, and I didn't even know the difference between different weights of rods. Like, mm. I, I really was just doing it as something to do while I was out on the boat. Mm-hmm. But I think think when you start getting published and you start getting recognized I don't I I think it's just being able to contribute Mm -hmm. to the community and also showing people you don't have to be perfect at this sport to find joy in this sport Mm -hmm. and you can like just watching it like that's enough to Mm -hmm. really immerse yourself in the fly fishing culture. Yeah, I've interviewed some guides who they take amazing photos. They're really talented photographers, but they're guides first. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is if they have the right client or if they're with another guide or if they're on a personal trip, they'll do photography. But they're definitely like guides and anglers first. Mm -hmm. And then you have people who they, they like the fish, but they actually, their preference is to be the one taking photos, which I think is more rare i've met a few people like that like for you when when it's like hey do you want to take photos today or do you want to be on the bow or do you want to be the one fishing like why why are you drawn towards taking photos more than what most people would do which is the the fishing aspect what's so special well i think if we're being real i've started to hang out with a lot of professional fly fishermen Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm watching people with the most beautiful cast, casting Mm -hmm. all day. And when I'm watching it and photographing it, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know what goes next. But when I get up there to go cast myself, I'm like, oh, oh, I don't actually, do I actually know how to do this? Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm lacking that confidence really to fully embrace fly fishing as an activity mm-hmm. versus something that I just love to watch and capture. But I think I'm getting close mm-hmm. to hooking my first fish. I'm predicting that it will be at least in the next two years. And there we go. <laughs> I think I like the time frame of two years. Yeah. It, ge- it gives you some buffer to work with. You're around some good people. So um, I'm kind of curious too. Like I, I met you through Jesse. Mm hmm. Um, and just just released a podcast with Jesse, and I think Jesse's got a great story and, and great all around guy. Um, and for you, like as you have come into the industry and kind of really built yourself out, not as you know somebody who and, you, and you're really early on, you're young, but not as somebody who's an angler or a guide, but as somebody who wants to fully focus on really that photography kind of video aspect. To you, what's been the most helpful and encouraging part of that journey the past few years? Absolutely. I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The 
community, the fly fishing community, I would not be working in the way that I am uh, if I did not have that support. Mm. I have been so generously welcomed into this. I, it almost feels like a family. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a close knit community. It's pretty small compared to other other sports and Jesse reached out to me when I was probably five or six months into even learning how to take fish photos. Mm -hmm. And so I have this guy, Jesse, who has a ton of followers on Instagram and is very well known in the industry saying, hey, me and my buddy Court want to come down and fish with you. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so funny. I just... I, I was like, me? What, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. And we spent two or three days fishing together. And I think that experience alone really just solidified this is what I want to be working in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have your fair, any kind of industry or community has their fair share of naysayers or sure. people that don't exactly agree with, with uh, everything you do. But for the most part, my experience growing community on social media has been so beautiful mm-hmm. and a huge factor in me deciding to even pursue mm-hmm. this art. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, with the, the naysayer piece. You know, with the podcast, I have people who basically they think the only people I should interview or talk to are like seasoned people, 30 plus years of experience. And I totally I, I love talking to people who have mm-hmm. 30 th- that's a very special person to be sitting down with and learning from but at the same time I'm interested in trying to tell different stories and show different perspectives in a in a way that's maybe similar if we want to tie a parallel to photography here um, through audio I'm trying to show a different perspective or a different angle yeah that sometimes I can ask somebody who's been doing it for 30 years what was it like to be at the beginning but the reality is, one, they got to rem- remember 30 years back. And two, 30 years ago, things are different. So sometimes even in doing podcasts with sitting down with people who are at the beginning, who are humble, who are working hard, you get this really interesting perspective on fishing, life, community, everything that you wouldn't get if you only did one type of person. Right. For you, like, obviously, you know, there are people who are just difficult people or they don't want any more people to come into the industry and compete with them or whatever they want to put it. But for you, like, as you think about, okay, what, here's all these people I look up to, like, what type of person do you want to be? And, and what are the characteristics that you find to be kind of the the biggest draw to you? Mm -hmm. I think above all, the reason why I do this is to inspire positivity. I think that we live in a really dark and broken world most mm. of the time. So if pictures of fish, if getting out on the water and really showing creation in its finest moment, if that can spark a little bit of joy and inspiration, that's my number one goal with all of this. And to inspire other people to just try at living out their dreams because I I thoroughly believe that there's no such thing as a dream job but I think you can get pretty darn close to creating a life for yourself that is uniquely your own Mm -hmm. and 
I see a lot of young photographers and media people and they're curious about how to get started in the industry. And I think when you're looking, when you're, when you're, you know, say 22 and you're kind of Mm -hmm. looking at all this life that's in front of you, Mm. it can seem a little bit daunting in knowing where to go from there. Mm -hmm. But I think showing people that you don't have to be a fly fisherman, you don't have to be a professional, Mm -hmm. you don't even really have to know what you're doing to be able to create something that has impact and is meaningful. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big inspiration. Because I didn't really have too many artistic inspirations. And recently, I've just now gotten friends who are artists. Mm -hmm. And being able to befriend other artists and have friends who are also mentors, that's been amazing. So one of the things, too, is you've been able to kind of get outside and and go to some. I know that you and Jesse just got back from Belize, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to hear more about that. But for you, like, talk to me about the the travel aspect and how, obviously, because you're early on in your career and you've been able to do, you know, a pretty decent wide variety. Like, it's not like you're just going out and shooting redfish on the Texas coast nonstop. You're getting to move around and do different stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about how that's been to be in all those different environments and how has that maybe stretched you or helped you? Yeah, well, I think... Just recently this year, my careers opened up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And because I I was focusing mainly on redfish. That's my home fish. They're in my home waters. I love them. And that's kind of what got me started and really hooked me into Mm -hmm. fly fishing. But it surprised me when all of a sudden I was able to go to Florida Mm -hmm. to catch tarpon with my family. I've always traveled either by myself or with my family. And all of a sudden I have the opportunity to go to Belize Mm -hmm. with my friends and go fishing and just create a ton of content simply for the love of creating content. Mm -hmm. It's been really surprising. I, I don't know if I thought about the potential of travel when I started taking fish photos. Mm -hmm. But this month in particular that we're recording this, I am really traveling the whole time mm-hmm. in pursuing fishing. And that's something I haven't done since I started my business last year. Mm-hmm. And I have felt more like myself this month than I have in so long. Mm-hmm. And I think we get caught up in constantly comparing ourselves to where other people are at in their careers Mm -hmm. that it's good to take a step back and just like remember why we're doing this job Mm -hmm. and how does it spark joy in you Mm. so tell me more about the Belize trip what did you guys do what was that like getting to work with that yeah so I went down with Jesse after he had someone back out pretty last minute Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, let me think about that. 30 seconds later, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, We went to Cayo Francis Farm and Fly, and Jeff, who runs it, and his whole team, they were Mm -hmm. just fantastic people. I was instantly in love with it when we pulled up. The vibes were so good, Mm -hmm. and 
I went with a bunch of guys and it was just paradise. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really, I, I just kind of looked around when I would be floating on a, the paddleboard and mm -hmm. couldn't really believe that my work could bring me to a place like this. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd even dreamed that it would feel that good mm -hmm. or be that bittersweet almost. Mm -hmm. But we caught a ton of bonefish. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen a bonefish. So when Jesse's brother Brody caught a bonefish on that second day, I nearly lost my mind. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with myself. I At the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. my goal for the year was a new species of fish. And I just love making goal lists and just crossing them off. Mm -hmm. It just gets, gets me fired up. So I think on top of seeing the bonefish and getting the opportunity to take a photo of a bonefish, it was a really good feeling moment mm -hmm. of something that you can create for yourself. Yeah, and I've I've seen a lot of your work, and that was one of the things whenever I was kind of talking to Jesse, and he was like, man, you know, I think this would be a really interesting podcast to talk to somebody that's, that's really sharp, putting out really great images, but also, like, fresh in the industry in a good way. And for you, when you're when you're paddling out and you're, you're, you're like, okay, I hope I get a chance to shoot this bonefish. Like there's so many different things that you can do. And obviously it's kind of hard to try to describe your eye in photography and how you think about things. But just talk me through a little bit of like how you would approach trying to capture an image and how much is preconceived, how much is read in the moment. Like as yeah. a photographer, give me a talk through on trying to get a good shot. Yeah. Well, as far as fish goes, I feel like I've classified the fish photography into two genres, if you will. There's the flippy floppy fish that kind of like to fight on the surface. Mm -hmm. So redfish, tarpon, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I love using telephoto lenses to really zoom in. And that's not a new thing at all, mm -hmm. but it's great to be able to guess where the fish is going to pop up next mm -hmm. and just track that line through the water. I found that my best results are when I just keep my eye on the line and mm -hmm. watch for the next surface break. Mm -hmm. And then you are rapid fire shooting as mm -hmm. much as possible and hoping that you land on something. Mm -hmm. Something's in focus. Most of the time it's not in focus. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that no zoom lens is ever zoomy enough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So there's like you have the telephoto lens route and then I recently got into underwater photography. Mm -hmm. So that was perfect for the bonefish game. And I had no idea what to expect mm -hmm. when Brody caught that bonefish, but I was already kind of walking out towards him with my underwater housing when he hooked it. So went out there tried to float as much as possible because mm -hmm. the bottom was really soft and there's a ton of silt. But I kind of positioned myself next to Brody and I have an Aquatech housing mm -hmm. that houses my Canon 5D Mark IV. has a little dome on the front of it. It's nothing major, but it's enough to split the water mm -hmm. a little bit and just give it like a really cool perspective. Mm -hmm. So I waited in front of Brody 
for the fish to come by me. And then the trick with underwater housing is you are basically just shooting blind, Mm -hmm. which I think makes it even more fun. Mm -hmm. But it is quite crazy. It can make you really crazy. Sure. Especially if you're not getting the chance to, you know, shoot tons of fish that particular day. Like, here's your moment. Yeah. And I had no idea what to expect with that first fish. But I tried everything. I tried goggles or like a, a scuba mask to see. I tried looking through the viewfinder. I used my sunglasses to kind of cut through the water and see where the fish was. But most of it's just judging mm-hmm. where the fish is in front of you. If the fish comes by you, just sticking the camera out and mm-hmm. rapid firing and just hoping you land on it or even get it remotely in the frame. Mm-hmm. So when people ask for underwater photography tips, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what to tell them because a lot of the time it just feels like divine intervention. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a combination of years of experience, but also just being confident in your actions and trusting your gut mm-hmm. and being okay with not getting the shot. Mm-hmm. And shooting a lot because there's, so for me, like, you know, I'm not, I, I have a, a Sony a 7 and I can get really good photos of a release or someone holding the fish or whatever. But for me, it's like if somebody's with me and they catch a fish, like I might pop it out and take some different photos or try mm-hmm. to do something. But it's not really, it's 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 very hobby-esque at, at best, right? So there's sometimes where like, I'm in a situation where someone's releasing a fish and I take a photo and I'm like, yeah, got it. Got what I, you know, just mm-hmm. one shot. But obviously, like with a, a jumping tarp in or something like that, you're just trying to spray and pray and yeah. hope that something sticks or whatever. Yeah. Um, for you, though, like as somebody who you're you're kind of in all these new environments, like w- what advice would you give to somebody who's in new environments and photography or something creative and they're trying to learn and they're maybe battling with confidence? Maybe they're mm-hmm. battling with being overwhelmed like what what advice would you give to somebody that's that's huge and I face that as well and I think something that I've practiced for the past few years which I learned when I was abroad and traveling to different different places Mm -hmm. I would easily get overwhelmed by almost your fear of not getting the shot before you've even tried to get it so you're so it's like this weird self-sabotage thing that happens Mm -hmm. when you go out there and you're like I'm gonna miss all the shots Mm -hmm. and I'm paralyzed with fear and I've just learned to for at least the first day if you're given the opportunity Mm -hmm. or the first few hours just observe watch people fishing kind of if you're in a new place walk through the town without your camera Or if you have your camera, just practice self-control. Don't take any pictures Mm -hmm. because I think it really gets you comfortable with the environment, Mm -hmm. especially with fly fishing. If you haven't ever seen it before or you're not confident in it, being able to watch people saying, okay, this is what the cast looks like. When does the cast look the prettiest and like, what do I want to capture on camera? Mm -hmm. My best advice is just don't take pictures Mm. until you feel ready to, you're like, okay, I've given it time. I've soaked it all in. If I miss the shot, I miss the shot. Mm -hmm. And that comes with time. I think this past Belize trip, I was there for four or five days. I Mm. took 8,000 photos. Wow. I've edited maybe 60 of them. 
Yeah. And I probably won't be finished editing them until next year. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting thing with some of the photographers that I've been around because there's everything has pros and cons. I think this is well beyond photography. This is just in life. So let's say that you're a tarpon guide and you take photos and you've been doing it for 30 years. You understand what's happening at a level that very few people, when they get on the water, understand. Mm -hmm. How the fish moves, how the fish jumps, um, and what the anglers do like so there's a certain understanding it's like wow i've been here thousands and thousands of times but then on the back end of that i guess a con could be is sometimes too it's like we've, we've seen that perspective or photo or whatever mm -hmm. a thousand times like we get it so sometimes like when you're young it's like you don't know what's going on and maybe that actually is interesting right totally. you know and so i think too it's kind of that there's that that phrase uh you know imposter what does i think it's called um imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome yeah. you know where you're just like so busy thinking about how you don't deserve to do this and you're, you're not going to be good and everyone's going to that you're like just to, to use what you said you like you haven't even taken the photo yet you haven't mm -hmm. even made the cast yet you yeah. haven't even made the pitch at you work you haven't given yourself the chance yeah. to prove yourself wrong but one of the things i think that you're doing that's smart and i've tried to do this myself is like put yourself around people who you know they're not like butt kissing but at the same time they're they're cheering you on mm -hmm. you know they like they actually want you to succeed even when you're telling yourself maybe i don't deserve to or whatever that, oh, that voice in your head is tell me just a little bit more about like if you were given advice to a young person who's in a very similar position as you, like what do good friends look like in this season of life? Yeah. Um, I, th I think my friendships have changed a lot mm. into adulthood. One of my best friends and I, we almost joke, making friends when you're adult feels a lot like dating, mm -hmm. which is really awkward and hilarious. But I think that like, finding people with common interests. Mm -hmm. I think when you're in college or you're in high school, your friends out of convenience almost. Mm -hmm. And so it's really powerful to be able to make up your mind on, okay, what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? Mm -hmm. I've never really been friends with a ton of guys. I have a twin brother. Mm -hmm. And so his friends were my friends, but I, I just tended to be like a super girly girl when I was younger mm -hmm. and always had girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And it's not until now that all of my friends are guys mm -hmm. and I feel really, really blessed to experience that. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really funny transition, I think, but especially in the industry, like meeting fly fishermen mm. and meeting people on social media who want to support you, want to go fishing with you. They're, they're sharing what you're creating mm -hmm. and presenting you with opportunities to improve yourself. Mm. Those are the friendships to look for. And I think finding friends within your mm field in the industry that you're wor you work in is really a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. I got really lucky. The American Fly Fishing Trade Association reached out and they were looking for a social media intern mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I can I can give it a shot. I can post some stuff for you. 
And it opened up this whole network of really friendly, decent humans. Mm -hmm. And I often wonder where my career would be if I if I was too scared to take on those mm -hmm. new connections and relationships and friendships. Because mm. I think that's what it's all about, is just helping yeah. each other. Yeah, and I've definitely learned that just through interviewing people as somebody who, you know, is very much young, that some of the people that I, I perceive to be the most successful in a lot of different aspects and ways are the people who have gotten really good at putting the right people around them and surrounding mm -hmm. themselves and they're, they're, they're fishing with the best people. They're, they're doing creative stuff with the best people. And doesn't mean that they don't have any, uh, standards or whatever mm -hmm. for, but at the same time, like they prioritize that. And, um, I'm kind of curious for you, like what things just, if you were to list, like, here's just a couple things that you found to be catalytic to your growth over the past couple of years, because really that's one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, like if I look, were to look at your photos and you say, how long do you think she's been doing this? I would have no, like, I, I could easily just say 30 years as fast as I say three years. So I'm just curious for you, like, what have been some catalytic growth things for you? Sure. That's a good question. I think the biggest, if we want to get, like, really philosophical here, mm -hmm. I think the biggest factor has been defining my purpose for creating in the first place mm -hmm. and I think I decided pretty quick when I started doing fishing photography that my aim for this mm -hmm. is to show God's creations off in mm -hmm. their finest light mm -hmm. and on Instagram I have something like capturing God's grace on the Texas coast I actually mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what it is and I really try to live by that. I think that photography is a beautiful way to mm -hmm. sh like show evidence of what I know God to be. And, you know, I am not, I don't hide my faith on mm -hmm. my Instagram platform at all. And I think that rooting my purpose mm -hmm. in God and, you know, expanding just like surprising myself with what mm -hmm. I think, like what I thought God was capable of. And like, look at what I just captured. Like, there's no reason why I should have this ability or this gift and mm -hmm. be able to do this. Like, it's all rooted in the understanding that it's not it's a gift that was given to me. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I, it's not me by any means who's making mm -hmm. this, but I think faith to me is at the center of my life. So I'm making it the center of my career and it mm -hmm. just seems to be flowing really well. Mm -hmm. So get non-philosophical. Yeah. What on the non-philosophical side of the coin yeah. for you, what's, have there been certain little tips or tricks or pieces of gear or, approaches that have been really helpful mm -hmm. that you can think of yeah I would recommend at the beginning I said yes to every opportunity mm -hmm. because you never know where the big break is going to come from mm -hmm. 
And I always like to tell people, be generous with your time and your gifts when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. Because that's really how you get better. It's how you learn. There is a time and place where you need to learn to say no, Mm -hmm. which is currently the time and place where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But embracing new opportunities, Mm -hmm. I like to say... I like to say yes to things that I'm scared of, mm. opportunities that I'm scared of, because I think that if you kind of have a fear or reluctance into doing something, like recording a podcast, mm-hmm. then there's probably a good reason why you should do it. There's that growth that needs to happen within you. Mm-hmm. And I would also say not to sweat about the gear that you're using. Mm. And I don't think you need an expensive setup to really start taking beautiful pictures or expressing yourself creatively because that gear is going to be there Mm -hmm. and one day if you pursue it and you want to make a career out of it you're going to make money from it and you can invest all that money you make right back into your camera equipment which Mm -hmm. is what ends up happening anyway and i i truly believe that you can make it work on a tight budget yeah, and I, I've seen that. Like, I feel like the the opportunities that I've got to just sit down with certain people in the industry and be like, man, I can't believe I'm getting to sit down with this person. I can't wait to hear how it all began. I can't think off the top of my head somebody who started and attributed anything with gear to being anything more than it was just a tool to cut my teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, you know, I've, I, I think about... Um, you know, sitting down and, and getting a chance to hear about, you know, David Mangum when he first started chasing tarpon in, in a John boat. And then you hear you just time and time and time again, you hear about these people who have built reputations in certain species or spaces. And then it's like, but it wasn't, it wasn't really a gear thing. It was just, they used the gear they could to cut their teeth. And then mm-hmm. sure, as they liked it more, they got better stuff, but it was always just stuff. It was always the rock, you know, to cut yeah. the teeth. So I think like, yeah, I think that's, that can be paralyzing. And a lot of people, in the industry, we were talking about this the other night, they're they're like almost, they won't start because they're so afraid of not looking legit or not having the right stuff. Or what if I showed up and I didn't have the right rod, the right reel, the right boat, the right camera. And it, that fear of, you know, that paralyzed mm-hmm. them said, who cares this? Why don't you just start with something and see where it goes? So I think that's great advice in life and that could span far beyond fishing. I mean, oh, that's absolutely. anything, right? Yeah. But, um, and an interesting thing that I, I once heard too is um, when it comes to fear, like we always think about all the things that can go wrong if we do it and we're mm-hmm. afraid of these things happening if we do it, but we don't often slow down and say, well, what am I afraid of if I don't do it? If mm. I don't do the podcast, mm-hmm. like am I fearful of being somebody who is afraid to be vulnerable with my life Yeah. or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, if it's good with you, I'd love to do some rapid fire questions as we kind of wrap it up. And yeah. I, I got, so for you, as you started to travel, what's one piece of travel equipment that's kind of a essential must for you other than your camera? I would say a really good camera bag, if that's allowed. <laughs> Tell me what's that? Give me a rundown um, of that. So I, I mean, I personally use the brand F-Stop gear. Mm-hmm. My bag's probably six and a half, seven years old by now, mm-hmm. and it's it's barely hanging on. But you know, I if it works, yeah, then it works. And I think that having like a really secure bag that you can travel with, and you don't really have to be afraid of 
your stuff getting lost or stolen Mm -hmm. all the time. Like really trusting in your gear is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, obviously I've I've held on to it Mm -hmm. for this song. It's actually sitting right behind us right now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if there, if there was somebody's getting into photography and they're like, I'm going to get one set up and let's just say it's used. Let's just, Let's not worry too much about the prices, but like, yeah. what general advice would you say on somebody's starter setup yeah. kit for photography? Well, for starters, I love your used gear. I mm. love refurbished gear. I think that it's a great place to start. I, I personally use Canon cameras, mm. and I was a DSLR girl forever. I thought mirrorless cameras were like, oh, you know, they're not necessary. It's just a a higher price tag mm-hmm. but I would say anybody starting out now I would highly recommend looking into a mirrorless camera and I don't think that they need to hear that from me I think that the proof speaks mm-hmm. pretty well for itself mm-hmm. but I'm really surprised with how intelligent and smart those mirrorless cameras are mm-hmm. and they're great for video and photos and they're small and compact and I just think that it is such a awesome place for a beginner to learn Mm. for you obviously you're even though you're predominantly on on camera you're also fishing what's been most helpful for you growing as an angler sure it's been a constant process of learning to be okay with uh, trusting myself and Mm -hmm. taking on criticism and it's not criticism it's constructive criticism but Mm -hmm. taking on being able to be coached that's Mm -hmm. a huge thing and I think the last fish I caught was back in February was a redfish and it that was amazing it struck it struck such joy in me and I hadn't done it in so long but yeah, I think taking it slow mm-hmm. and not really expect, not going into a fishing trip expecting to catch mm-hmm. anything. I would just, I'd like to say it just takes one fish. And even if you don't have one fish, you had a mm-hmm. good day on the water. Do you have any specific advice for somebody who's a female who's wanting to get involved in the fishing industry? Anything that you would say that maybe is kind of a sidebar of, hey, this is kind of specific to a young lady or Mm -hmm. or a woman who wants to get into the fishing industry? Yeah. I think that as a woman in the industry, it can sometimes feel like you shouldn't be overly feminine or act like a girl. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's necessary in this industry i think that women and men have different qualities and characteristics and that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. i think that it just makes relationships better Mm -hmm. if people are like really being true to themselves Mm -hmm. sometimes i feel I just get in my head about like, oh, I'm wearing lipstick and I'm Mm -hmm. fishing or I'm wearing like huge sparkly earrings and I'm on a boat and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I just think do what you need to do to -hmm. feel like yourself and you can wear the crazy fun leggings and Mm -hmm. the bright colors and you can still be taken seriously as an angler Mm -hmm. and as a creative. 
I think that sometimes I put barriers on myself as a woman Mm -hmm. and that's just from my own fear Mm -hmm. and kind of self-rejecting before someone else is able to do it. But I don't run into that in this industry with men. Mm -hmm. I, all of my greatest mentors in the fishing industry have all been men Mm -hmm. so far. It's been awesome. Mm -hmm. Like I feel very, very welcomed as I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me for you who have, who have been a few helpful influences to you and what's made that significant? Yeah. I think, you know, if we're talking about best buddies, like Mm -hmm. Jesse's become one of my best friends in a really short time. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, I am so inspired by him and we're, able to equally inspire each other to be better artists. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you before, like I didn't have artist friends before I got into the fishing industry. And I think that when you mix a love of the outdoors and art together, it just makes for a really unique personality. Mm -hmm. And I run into people who are such humble artists and they're really out there Mm -hmm. fishing just for the love of it. Mm -hmm. And I can say that most of my fishing friends Mm -hmm. have that characteristic for you. This is my, my last question, but as you kind of sit at the beginning of your career and you think about 30, 40 years down the road for you, when you think about success, what is, what does success look like for you? I think that if I can find joy in my work, day in and day out if I can take a picture of a fish and feel equally excited and just peaceful at the same time like Mm -hmm. then I should I am where I need to be Mm -hmm. I think success isn't a money thing Mm -hmm. for me right now it's being able to be confident in this is the career that I've chose for myself mm-hmm. and it's having a positive impact on my life and mm-hmm. more than that it's having a positive impact in inspiring others mm-hmm. in supporting other businesses or publications or even just young creators uh, I think that's good and I'm, I'm really grateful just to kind of get a chance to hang out with you and the rest of the crew down here. And uh, thank you so much for making time. And one of the fun things about sitting down with younger guests, too, is, you know, I feel like we're going to have a good chance to get a run into each other a lot over the next 30 years. So yeah, I look forward absolutely. to it. But thank you so much for sharing just a little bit about your story and how you look at life. And I'm grateful for it. Oh, well, thank you for asking those questions. Thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Help us out by sharing this podcast with your friends online and leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.
every once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.